0: Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How are you doing this week, Derek? I'm doing pretty good. Good. I guess. You guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> busy week or no?
1: Yes. Well, you know, it's always busy. It's uh it's it's what it is. It is what it
0: is. I do look forward greatly to the camp summer camping season. Oh, I tell you. You know what? I've I, I've been doing more work. At home and getting ready for the camping stuff than actually doing the camping stuff.
1: And I'm sure a lot of people are saying, what do you mean looking forward to the camping season? It's
0: already camping season.
1: Not for me. I don't like the bugs. (laughs) (laughs) You suck. I tend to start camping in July, August. July, August. You're a woman. I know, I know. I know. (laughs) I will be camping in June this year, against my better judgment. Oh, you're for the 150 for 150. Yeah. (laughs) You're going in for that. And we're going into a very buggy area of the
0: park. Yeah, it'll do you good. (laughs) Yes. If it doesn't kill you, it builds character. (laughs) By the end of that week, you're going to have a lot of character. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been, as you know, I'm getting my uh, ducks in order for um, a Rocky Man. I do. I got ducks. Excellent. I guess, because I keep getting calls on the phone from, from people trying to clean them. <laughs> oh, I get called twice this weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we got called by a guy, by this dude. He says, this is Jenny. I'm like, dude, your name's Jenny? Guy. And he goes, yes. I said, Jenny's a girl's name. He goes, oh. And he, cl- he hangs up. <laughs> what? Did <laughs> you just pick your names out of a hat or what? Yeah. Well, you Jenny. know, honestly, I,
1: I'm thinking of getting of the home phone because... I only get these duck cleaning calls and stuff like that. Otherwise,
0: I don't use the phone. It's people like you that keep them in business. Yes, because without you, and me, who would they call? <laughs> I don't. I don't get rid of my home phone. I mean, we still use it for a couple of things. But every about year and a half, uh, and this started probably six seven years ago. There's a little old lady. She sounds like she's from the island somewhere, and she calls. And it's a wrong number, but we end up talking for about a half an hour. Oh yeah? Have no idea who she is. I've probably had four or five conversations over the years with her. That's hilarious. And yeah, we just chat and okay, well, sorry about the wrong number. Not a problem. You have a nice day and we both hang up. See you and talk to you in about a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's kind of it's, freaky. It's my little old lady friend. Yeah. Yes. I no clue who she is. <laughs> Absolutely no clue. But it's the funniest thing. And- and even my wife, like she says, who was on the phone? who' oh, my little old lady friend. The wrong number one? <laughs> yep. Oh, how's she doing? <laughs> Good. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but, uh, so now we, we, we keep that. But as, as I always say, <laughs> getting all my ducks in a row for, yep. uh, our Rocky Mountain trip and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work to, to plan all that. But when I'm going through my stuff, remember a couple of weeks back we did our our big uh, contest, our, our our canoe trip challenge, uh, challenge me versus you. One of the things I that think I won. Yeah, yeah, you just stick with that. <laughs> uh, one, one of the things on my channel my my trip that I, I looked at was the Black Canyon Water Trail. The Black Canyon Water Trail is right on the border between. Uh, Nevada, and Arizona, starts right below uh, the Hoover Dam. Yes. Um, where you can put in at the Hoover Dam, like you, one one way you're looking down the canyon, the other way you're looking right at the base of the Hoover Dam. Looking straight up. Straight up is yeah. the big bridge. There's the Hoover Dam right there. And that's where it starts. And I'm just looking at some of this stuff. Oh, well, let's check it out and see what's really involved with it. And, you know, I mean, I looked at it, I thought it looked pretty cool, added it to my trip and that. But when I started getting into looking at this, and even now when I've shown you everything, and you started looking into it, you're just like, we we got to do this. Yeah, we got to go do this. Absolutely. Just some of the stuff that you can do. Now, just to give a quick little thing. Well, in 2014, um, the Secretary of Interior designated a portion of the Lower Colorado River... That flows through Lake Mead National Recreation Area as a national water trail, making it the first national water trail in the southwest and the first to flow through a desert. So which is totally different than what we usually trip, right? It it, it would be definitely a unique trip. Um, Trip begins right at the base of the Hoover Dam, goes for 30 miles, 50 kilometers. Yeah, just under 50. Right. Uh, steep canyons. Uh, the current is reminiscence of the Colorado River before the dams were built. Oh, okay. Yeah, right? is everything messed up with the dams, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and they go on to say, you know, as visitors travel down the trail, they can stop at sandy beaches, colorful caves, plentiful coves, active hot springs. Uh, you see, desert bighorn sheep and other wildlife are often seen on the cliffs along the river. There's also a great deal of history associated with the construction of... Of and research connected to the Hoover Dam, including the sauna cave, gauging stations, catwalks, trails, and building foundations. So it is pretty cool. I mean, mm-hmm. and we're not talking. I mean, we're talking fifty kilometers here. It's yeah. not a really massively yeah, could, long trip. You could
1: power through it if you want to, but it's really. I don't think this is something you'd want to power through and see. You know, see how quick you could do it. It's uh, there's so much to see along the way, and I'm really impressed by some of the stuff that you can see right
0: away. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go to the map, there's a little map that you can get uh, off the, the lower Colorado river, black Canyon trail, water trail. So black Canyon water trail site. And it's got like a ton of stuff. And, and when we're a ton of stops and we're looking here and when I say, you know, you launch at the Hoover dam and it's basically, okay, everybody comfortable. Good. Let's get out. <laughs> There's the first thing is right there to see. The first thing is Sonic Cave. Yeah. Um, So before we get into what you can actually see and what really makes this cool. Permits are reserved. First surf uh, basis uh, limit 30 boats per day can, can launch at the Hoover Dam. You cannot just waltz up and launch. You've got to go through a a licensed um, vendor. Yep. Right, you got to arrange with them and everything like that. Launch fees are seventeen dollars per person, not per boat per person, plus a five dollars national park service entrance fee for all adults sixteen and older. So, you know, twenty two bucks a person basically. That's not too bad. No, no, not really. Uh, and that's just to get in. That's that's it. Yeah. Uh, and of course, if you're going through one of the vendors, they can arrange transport and all that sort of stuff. Uh, there are companies that offer raft trips down the river through the Black Canyon, the Colorado River through the Black Canyon. Nice floating experience, you know, get to see the stuff of the bighorn sheep on the on the steep canyon walls, the whole the whole meal deal. You just gotta basically sit there and float down the canyon. Primitive camping, so basically, you know, just bare bones camping. Yes. Permitted anywhere along the shoreline. Ground fires are not permitted. Which is understandable. Yeah. There's,
1: there's scrub brush and there, there's. There's
0: very little vegetation that, yeah, you the, know, you start letting fires happen and it's gone. Yes. Right. You
1: don't want to be, they don't want people scrounging through the, the, whatever scrub brush there is and, and peeling it up to try to start fires. So
0: they no. just say no fires. No fires. If you want to fish, you need a fishing license from Arizona or Nevada, because this, again, this goes right down the border. Yeah. As well as a use stamp from the other one. So if you get a fishing license from Arizona, you got to get a use stamp from uh, Nevada. Yes. Right. Which is fine. So that way you can go, you can go fishing. Uh, as well, if you're looking for trout, you need a trout stamp. If you're looking to catch and release. Yes. Yeah, or so sorry, you, catch and yeah, keep. Yeah, if
1: you can catch and release, just as long as you release them. But if you want to keep them, if you want to eat them, you have to have a, a
0: trout stamp on your fishing license. Yeah. The water in the canyon directly below the Hoover Dam is 53 degrees Fahrenheit year round, which is what, 11 degrees? Yes, I Googled that. It's 11.66 <laughs> degrees. 11.66 <laughs> well, degrees. That is cold. That's a little nipply, I must say. <laughs> uh, the water warms as it goes downriver, and by the time it reaches El Dorado it goes Canyon. Down river? Hey. It goes downriver? It goes, apparently. <laughs> uh, as it goes downriver, and by the time it reaches the El Dorado Canyon, it's warm enough for swimming in the summer.
1: Yes, and, and and that's one of the things is like the, there's the off season, there's the cold season. It it snows there sometimes, and you don't Well, think you know it's the like, nights,
0: the, you know, you think it's a desert, it's going to be hot all the time. Yes. It's not the nights get cold.
1: And that's one of the what's one of the things that I think surprises people and, and catches people off guard is the fact that they don't, you don't have the uh, the ground cover, the trees, and whatever to hold that heat in, and whatever. It's uh, as soon as the sun goes down, the heat is
0: disappears out of the sand mm-hmm. and the rocks. Uh, water level can fluctuate considerably during the day, sometimes as much as three to six vertical feet. Uh, That's incredible. When stopping to camp, picnic or explore, canoes, kayaks should be pulled well out of the water and secured. Yes. Because if you're out (laughs) scooting around looking at something yeah, and all of a sudden that water starts to raise six feet. Yeah. Yeah. You're swimming home. You're going, yeah. (laughs) How long can (laughs) you tread water? (laughs) So that being said, um, once you get everything your your permits, your fishing, your camping, your everything all all situated, the things there's a ton of things that you can see along the. Way. We're not going to go through all of them just because there's, there's so many too of, many things. Uh, there's so many of them, but uh, again, if you launch at the Hoover Dam, a few hundred yards below the launch site on the Nevada side, is a long gravel spit where you pull up on it. There's a lagoon. Um, with some rain caves on the wall, drips of it are, some are hot, some are cold. The, the water that drips yeah. down, which is kind of neat. The sauna cave is located at the end of the lagoon. During the construction of the Hoover Dam, workers st- started to drill at this site. They, they were drilling a big tunnel. Yep. Well, they found hot water, 122 degrees Fahrenheit, And had to, you're Googling 122 (laughs) degrees Fahrenheit, aren't you? And and they had to abandon the site because the water was just so hot. Um, That's 50 degrees Celsius. That's hot. That's hot. Yeah, I I think
1: I said that. It's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot.
0: That's hot.
1: (laughs) That's Paris Hilton.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's not hot. We got to stop that. (laughs) So, all right. So that's your first, that's your first stop. Like I say, this is a couple hundred yards down when you just, got into the into your canoe or, k- or your kayak. Uh, so then you get back in and you paddle another 50 yards. <laughs> and, and honestly, like
1: it, it's, uh, it seems kind of silly, but you know, it would be great to have a nice quiet paddle and explore. There's so many things to see. It's, it's a, such a fascinating trip, such a fascinating water route.
0: Well, and there's all these, the way I'm looking at it here and the way you're, you're looking at all the literature and all the research you do. Picture one big canyon with all these little ones spiking off to yeah. the side. That's basically what it, it sounds like it is. Yeah. All these little things just branching off from the side, right? Uh, so about 50 yards down is Gold Goldstrike Canyon. A short walk up this canyon leads to pools and warm waterfall. Now, one thing at the top end of this is there's a lot of hot pools, hot springs and yeah. places for swimming. And they say use caution in the hot springs as... And I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Now, Gleria faleri. I think that's pretty close. Close enough. An amoeba common to thermal pools around the world can enter the human body through the nose, cause a rare infection and possible death. This goes back to our last show of <laughs> <laughs> We're All Gonna Die. <laughs> Do not allow water from the hot springs or associated streams to enter your nose. Do not dive into or submerge your head in any of the thermal waters in the recreation area. We didn't cover this on on the we're going to die episode. (laughs) Apparently there's more ways to die that we never (laughs) even thought about. So once you leave this area alive, hopefully. Yeah. uh, You go down a little bit. There's a warm waterfall located within a few feet of the river uh about a hundred yards down from gold Strait Canyon. so this one you can actually stay in your canoe by the looks of it yeah and you paddle right on by it uh, there's a nice little waterfall it's, the waterfall is larger but not as hot as the one in the gold Strait canyon um Lone Palm Canyon is just downstream from this and this is a lush environment with palm trees and seeping water so you've gone total from total desert and hot springs yep. into this like oasis Canyon, huh? It's almost like different rooms in a hotel. I know, different eh? theme like rooms in a hotel. Yeah, it's really cool sounding. And this is like I say, I mean, I thought it was just a pretty cool area to go paddling in, but now that I'm you know, you get into all the research of what's involved, this is I really picked a good spot. <laughs> um, so just down you go down past, keep going a little ways. The Ring Bolt Rapids, yes, now. I do believe you can circumvent the actual rapids parts, but approaching the ring bolt rapids, you got to watch for these large iron rings that are set into the rock on the Arizona side. Because back in the day when they used to haul ore back and forth and were building the dams, uh, they were placed in the canyon walls and used to winch the steamboats up through the rapids between 1865 and 1890. Yeah. So way back when they used to, if, you know,
1: going upstream in these, these paddle boats, these steam watercraft, it just, they weren't as efficient as they could be. So it was, they used uh, a lines to haul
0: them up. To help haul them up.
1: Yeah. So these ring bolts are still in the stone up there. They're still in the stone. Yeah. Uh,
0: Then you get past the Arizona hot springs, the white Canyon or white rock Canyon. Uh, You see a lot of desert bighorn sheep are often on the cliffs at this, throughout this spot. These spots, uh, the White Rock Canyon, there's a, there's a wide, they, 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 they recommend going there because there's a wide variety of desert plants to be found and they name like a ton of them here. Indigo bush, ground cherry, rush milkweed, rabbit brush, Mormon tea, desert fir, cheese bush, Mm, cheese bush, (laughs) globe mallow. Desert tobacco, desert trumpet, rock nettle, rock daisy, windmills, like uh, phenomenal amount of plants you're going to see.
1: Yeah, it's very diverse. If, if you are, well, as most of the listeners should be, outdoor types, it would be fascinating to walk through it and just like for us up north in southern Canada, in like southern Ontario, like we're used to certain, you know, uh, underbrush and trees and flora and fauna. Like it would be so fascinating to be, it would be like a different planet for me. Like oh, honestly, totally for me different to be than there used to. and see some of these different plants, uh, like I just, I would just love to see that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you hear about them and, and whatnot. You see them in the old Westerns yeah, and you stuff, but they actually see them, in, the actuals, TVs, see them yeah. in person, right? Uh, that's same with the, the, um, the rocks and stuff in this area, you know, primarily volcanic. Yep. They're, uh, you know, flow and, and uh, ash deposits, granite boulders washed down from the canyon, that sort of stuff. So it is really unique, this White Rock Canyon area. Um, it, it's, that's pretty cool too. And that's another one. There's the Cranes Nest Canyon, which you can go to. Again, more of the same. Uh, volcanic Dike. The Volcanic Dike high on the Arizona Canyon wall between mile 56 and 55 is a remnant of past volcanic activity. They call it the dragon's back because it's a giant um, tube, I guess, of of, uh, of a volcanic dike. Yeah, and it's really cool. black, and it, it just goes through. And it basically, yeah, it looks like the back of a dragon coming up and and over. You know, yeah. like the arch of a, a dragon's back, which is pretty cool. Now, this is this is one that that really is is neat. Uh, the Emerald Cave, the Arizona side has a cave that you can actually paddle into, right? I mean, this is big enough that you can paddle one of your big rafts into it. Yeah. So if you're, if you're in your canoes and kayaks and that. The color of the water when the sun is shining at the right angle is an intense emerald green, quite spectacular. So you're going in there and all you see is this emerald green water. I want to go. You know, that's, that's awesome. (laughs) I want to
1: go check this stuff out.
0: (laughs) I'm going, I'm not taking these, I've changed my mind. (laughs) Uh, a gauging station, so just to get on with the old history part of it, uh, an old gauging station can be seen clinging to the Nevada Canyon wall at mile 54 and a quarter. I always like that because they always use like the in quarters. I'm surprised by that. They're, they're very specific. They've even went to some of their uh, mileage signs are like that. Yeah. Uh, the gauging station was used prior to and during the construction of the Hoover Dam for monitoring water levels, flow rate, and silt content of the Colorado River. And We know that can be quite silty, right? A cable car provided across or provided access to the gauging station from the Arizona side where the gauger's house was located. So it's on the Nevada side and he lives on the Arizona side. <laughs> well, they had a cable car. That's fun. Yeah. But you look at it and it's stuck right on the side of the cliff.
1: It looks very precarious. Like I
0: can't. It reminds me of a, of a, a lookout tower you'd find like in Algonquin Park. One of the old lookout towers. But this one's stuck to a stone wall. Yeah. You think, oh, that'd be cool to, to, to climb, but uh, I don't know that I trust it. It's a little sketchy looking. It's a little sketchy. So then you finally come to Willow Beach. Willow Beach is about the halfway point. So think of everything that we've already covered. And we're only halfway, halfway there. down, yeah. So you can see why it takes, if you stop and see all this stuff that we've, and there's some things that we didn't cover, but if you stop and check out all this stuff and do some exploring and all that, you it can see take, why it it's going to take, take you a few days yeah. to get down. there. So you don't want to be in a rush.
1: Yes. So you'd want to, I guess maybe pick and choose what uh, locations you want to check out and what kind of stops you want to make, but uh, you can either make it a long or short trip, but it's just depending on. How much touristy How much you stuff you're going
0: to do. Yeah. Now, Willow Beach uh, has a fish hatchery, the Willow Beach National Fish Hatchery, and the public is welcome to visit the hatchery and take a self-guided trip, uh, tour. So you can yep. tour yourself through there and see what's all well, there and cool. that sort of stuff, right? So I guess they stock the river. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They definitely do. Uh, but there's a marina there. You can do camping and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know there's a uh, a marina where you can put your boat in and out and you get there's a parking lot There's some people actually start their or finish their trips that at Willow Beach yeah so that's uh, a big well, thing well
1: it seems like a good typical uh happy place to stop if you weren't going to do the lower half
0: yeah and it's also a launch site for the uh, rafts and stuff as well the big rafts that go up and down so they'll start there there's houseboats that you can you can take because once you get down to the Eldorado uh, Canyon out yep. of that. you yep. Get into the big Lake Mojave, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Right, yes. At, right at
0: the end. So, so we just keep on going down. Cause you're not going to want to stop at wind wi- Willow beach. There are a couple things that we're not going to get into. Cause they have the names like monkey rock and monkey hole. Giggle, giggle, <laughs> snort, snort. <laughs> Sorry. We just can't cover that one. Uh, so we'll pass the monkey hole. <laughs> I don't know. It's a big, big chunk of rock sticking out of the water. It says, if you use your imagination, it looks like a monkey. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> the, that's where the hole comes in. You got a whole lot of imagination to think that's a I'd monkey. I'd say so. <laughs> um, so you keep on going down to Windy, Windy Canyon, which is something we're always used to. Wind. <laughs> uh, that stretch of the river between mile 45 and 44, known as Windy Canyon. Sometimes upriver winds become quite strong in this area, and the stretch of river may may well earn its name. So I guess the uh, whether it uh, narrows down or not, and the winds coming down yep. funnel in, and but it does get quite windy through there. Then you get into the chalk cliffs farther down, and we are moving pretty pretty fast through all this this area now. Uh, there's the chalk cliffs below the Windy Canyon. On the Nevada side, and the chalk cliffs are—they're nice, high cliffs made of chalk. You know, hence the name. Yes, makes sense. And then you get into the El Dorado Canyon. The El Dorado Canyon on the Nevada side, about mile 39. Uh, this is a takeout point used in—used uh, by most people, right? This—this this is where you end. This is where the trail ends. The mm-hmm. water trail ends. And most people, you know, they get out here, there's a quarter mile long uphill portage to the road where you've arranged to have your vehicle dropped off or somebody pick you up or whatever. This was also the site of a large flash flood way back in 1974. Way back? Way back. Well, 1974, that was 40... 48. Three years ago. 43 years ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. My ass bad. Yeah, you know. <laughs> we're just guessing. <laughs> uh, the few few visible signs of prehistoric occupation, but uh, there are uh, petroglyphs. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And the petroglyphs are, are some of the few features left to remind about the desert people. That there there was desert people in the area. They were there. Now, one of the other things that we are talking about, we've had conversations before about our love of this. Rattlesnakes, yeah. there be snakes. Yes, that uh, doesn't enthuse me at all. Uh, I'm not a big snake lover, um, so you know. And of course, the old well it gets cold at night, so the snakes look for place to to warm up. Yes, they be cuddling a up. A camper you, is a dear. warm body. It is. It is. I wouldn't have a problem with snakes if they didn't bite. <laughs> or we're all scaly. Yeah. Or did that thing with their tongue? Don't sabotage yeah. <laughs> your warm spot to <laughs> sleep. So this, this was the Black Canyon Water Trail from Lake Mead down to El Dorado Canyon. Uh, like I say, it, it starts right at the Hoover Dam. And that in itself, like I say, I can't get over that. Launching right below the Hoover Dam. That would be amazing, eh? I mean, you just turn around and you look up. Yeah. And there's this massive dam and this <laughs> big bridge and all that right over it. I mean, you you, you, you see the pictures of it. Yeah, But reading right in the bottom and looking straight
1: Absolutely. up, that'd be cool. It gives you a really big idea of the, of the massiveness, the
0: grandeur of it. Oh yeah, definitely does. And uh, I think, I think that would be really cool, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, one, two, three, four, you can do this four, you can make this last five days <laughs> easy. Yes. Have you stopped and seen every little nook and cranny, did some swimming in the hot springs, just don't stick your head underwater. Um, you know, do some some climbing there, do some hiking to the, up the canyons and seeing stuff, photos, all that sort of stuff. You can make that 50 kilometers last five days. Oh, absolutely. Easy. You can make a week out of it, no problem. That'd be, yeah. I mean, yeah, you fly on down there. You have somebody rent you the canoes and kayak. Because that's the thing is all the outfitters up there, they'll rent you everything.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. So they yeah. have no problems, right? They all everything. have all the gear. They, they, they expect people, but you're flying in. It's not like you're going to be able to bring a lot of your own gear.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're, well, and that's it, is, is you've got to be dropped off by um, the approved outfitters because you can't just drive on in with your car and all your gear right to the Hoover Dam. Yep. It's a high security area. right? Which which is understandable in this day and age.
1: So, th- you know, they don't want people causing problems.
0: Well, I guess not. <laughs> But there is a a lot to see. Um, I definitely think that's... uh
1: I so want to do this trip. I, like, I, I'm telling you, this is uh, this is definitely on my agenda now. I did not know that you could do a trip like this. I didn't know. Like, uh, yeah, of course you can do the Grand Canyon, but this is actually achievable. I could bring my wife on it. You're not talking about a lot of white water. No, so no, very. It, this, is, this is a family-friendly trip. There's a lot of little side trips and hikes, and my wife and kids would love this.
0: Well, you know, and it's not a trip where you're sitting there paddling for eight hours a day. That, that too, because there's a lot of stops, there's a lot of break points, there's a lot of... I ar- think that would get me. Yeah. It's, it's nice to be able to see all this stuff, but when, like I say, you're paddling 200 meters and then you're out? <laughs> that that, that <laughs> might get on your nerves a bit. <laughs> After a while, I'd be having enough of that. um But yeah, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 30, 36 different things. To stop and check out along that route. (laughs) Just one thing, one thing per mile.
1: We got a plan for this. This is awesome. You think so? Oh, absolutely. You
0: know what? I'll tell you what. You pay my way, and I'll gladly go with
1: you. (laughs) Oh, is that what it's going to be like?
0: (laughs) Well, I offered to take you. I'll take you down. You're paying, but I'll take you. Yeah. (laughs) I
1: have to pay for my wife and kids to go at the same time.
0: Oh, (laughs) that's. That sounds like a you problem, not a my, <laughs> not a my problem. <laughs> so if you get a chance to check it out, I mean, just go look at the pictures themselves. Uh, the low, Lower Colorado River Black Canyon Water Trail, starting at Lake Mead Hoover Dam, going down to the El Dorado Canyon just above Lake Mojave. If you check out that, just Google it and look at the pictures and, and all that sort of stuff, you're going to be like us going like, Really? In the <laughs> middle of a desert? Yeah. Um, like I say, and the, just the canyons themselves, cruising through the canyons. Oh,
1: wouldn't be, that be spectacular?
0: Yeah. I, I'd check out that, that Palm, uh, the palm um, Canyon there. Uh, just to see the, you know, you're seeing rocks and yes. scrub. And, and yep. then also you see palm trees and lush, <laughs> lush <laughs> you know, ferns. Seems out and, of place. Yeah, definitely would seem out of place. Uh, so yeah, Google that. Black Canyon Water Trail. Check it out. And, uh, yeah, trust me, you'll be wanting to go to this place. So let's take a quick break here, Derek. And when we come back, I want to talk about uh, teenagers and canoe tripping. Sounds good. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. And welcome back. Um, one of the things we were talking about, Derek, is is the fact that we go out with our families tripping. Yes. And uh, you're at the point now where, where your kids are still young and mine are, you know, college, I'm just, university. I'm just right? sort of
1: starting out. They're just... Uh... I'm starting to introduce them a little bit more. They're, they're learning how to walk over uneven ground They you know, they only barely know how to walk as it is on flat ground. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I'm getting them used to it. They're, they really enjoy camping. They're constantly asking me to go camping. Even in the wintertime, they want to go camping. Well,
0: that's a good thing. Now, one of the things we learned uh, when we were kids, we, you know, we were talking with uh, the doctors and stuff like that as so, you know, uh, you know, what can we do to, you know, cause the kids are, you know, throwing temper tantrums or whatever. Yeah. It's all normal, whatever. One of the things we learned that when our kids were small and the doctors even said, it says at a young age, they want to feel that they're helping out. Yes. That they're part of the family. Right. And you Useful. wouldn't, you wouldn't think that. Yeah. That small, you wouldn't think it. But that is a big thing, oh, yeah, My they, they want to feel like they're absolutely. they're yeah useful, they're helping out, yeah. and that makes them feel like they're part of the family, not just a little you know piece of luggage sort of stuff. Yes. And this is perfect when it comes to camping and canoe tripping, yeah, because there's so many
1: small things around the campsite that kids can get involved in and help out. And even if it's something that you're giving them that kind of keeps them out of your hair for a bit or to distract them, if they're actually being productive, Mm-hmm. in a, maybe a smaller or a larger way. Like either collecting up firewood or twigs or, or whatever, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, if it's all the things useful, that you don't want to do. Exactly, that, that's a good point. That is a very good There's point. It's all those
0: little tiny jobs that just take up the time. Go right? get me a whole bunch of small little twigs. Yeah, well, and that's exactly You know, just walk around the campfire area, collect all the small twigs and put them in a pile. It's all these little things that you can get the kids to do. And especially when you're on a multi-day canoe trip, there's no shortage of things that those little eager hands can exactly, do. Exactly, right? yeah. Uh, they honestly really do want to help. They do. You know, so you get them to, to gather the sticks. And I mean, you can even start taking them, w- going with them. So come on with me. We're going to go out into the b- back of the campsite here and look in through the woods for, for firewood. Um, Come on over, give me a hand. We're going to you know, put up the tent or grab that corner of the tarp, pull it over there, that sort of stuff. So while I'm doing this, why don't you go collect all the paddles and the life jackets and pile them over by that tree? That sort of stuff. I mean, the list is endless, the things that you can get them to do. And like I say, it's, it's stuff that needs to be done so it's not just makeup jobs. They're your third and
1: fourth hand.
0: They are. And hold I mean, yeah, the rope small, while I adjust this thing or hold the corner of
1: that tarp while I drag it over there.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're putting a, a tarp over the fire pit, yeah, you know, there's no reason that they can't grab one corner and haul it over. Yeah. Or, you know what? The I got the four ropes to tie to each corner. Here, put that rope on that corner. Put that rope over by there and then... You just walk as over as new something up. if yeah. if they're if they think they're helping they
1: think they're being useful and that it really improves their state of mind and they enjoy their trip.
0: Well even when we're car camping we have the pop-up trailer and Mackenzie would love to you know you, you pop out all the uh, the clips to release the roof and then get there with the crank and he he uh, wanted yeah. to crank it, so you yeah. crank it up and he knew exactly to to flick the the cable to see the tension so he knew not to put it too high or when to stop. And I mean, that's just stuff that they learn, right? And he loved doing that. Uh, Eventually it comes down to he'll put up the whole trailer. You know, So I just sit my fat ass I'm going to go over there. I'm going to (laughs) sit on my little camp chair and have a beer. And have a beer while you set the (laughs) tent (laughs) up. That's the only reason I had kids. (laughs) So I went to mow my lawn and (laughs) shovel my driveway, cater to me when I'm older. Um, yeah, the main thing younger kids are going to get out of a canoe trip is that they're needed. Yes. Their company is appreciation, appreciated, and it sparks them, you know, you hope it gives them the spark to learn more and take inspire. more of an interest yes. to inspire them to do that. So as they get older, they'll take on more responsibilities, Right. You know so one one trip they're helping you gather sticks and before you know it they've gathered the sticks made the fire and have dinner on the go while you've set up the tents and the tarp and yeah. got the canoe secured for the night.
1: They they become independent.
0: They do. And I mean that's 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 my son right now. He's he's learned to make fires and stuff so he'll you know the firewood's there. Yeah. He'll cut it and he'll start the fire and all that sort of deal and it's all ready to for dinner, you know, you got the campfire going when Already for dinner. When you by the time you're done doing the, the tents and stuff, so um, so by the time they're teenagers, right? You've you've got them all this stuff. Now, if the interest in tripping is still there, because I know it's it doesn't necessarily just because you take the kids when they're younger, isn't necessarily going to follow through that they're going to do this for the rest of their life. Yeah, lives. you don't know. It really depends on the individual child, right? Yeah, uh, but if the interest is still there. They may take to summer camps where you know tripping is part of the program. Yes. Uh, they may have friends in high school that, you know, they enjoy it as well. And before you know it, they're headed new, north with the canoe and their friends, and you're back at home worried. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. Yes, I suppose. Uh, our buddy Mike there had that issue a couple yes. weeks back when his son yep. and buddy went north a little bit early in the in the season there and got some nice rain oh, and weather they so and rain on their yeah, yeah, that's, that sucks. But Hey, you know what? They went, they had a, they had and they, the time. Persevered. they did. Uh, you know, they, they, they did their camping and stuff like that. So hopefully that's what you're hoping, you know, like they're, they're going to stick with it and that's what you can, all you can do. You can only, you can't force them to do it. Yeah, it,
1: it would end up having a negative impact if you force them into doing something. If once they buy in themselves and they start enjoying it, then they see that they're, they're having fun, they're being productive, they're doing something useful, they're learning something important for themselves about the world. It, uh, it helps that developmental and it's key to do it at a early enough age that you, you catch them during those developmental stages for them to enjoy it and get something out of it. and maybe it helps build something in them later on in life.
0: Well, that's even sticking one of the kids in the bow seat with a oh, paddle. Yes. Right. Even mom if they're sits... not doing
1: anything useful, at least yeah. they're, they're, they think they are and, and they're, they're eventually they will be productive in the bow seat. So it's, it's important. Yeah. So mom sit, sits on the bottom and, and, uh, the, the kid does the paddling or she helps with the paddle. It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's that developmental stage of the brain.
0: Yeah. Um, we've, <laughs> We, uh, I did a paddle with Ariana one year. We did, um, a day trip and the day before, uh, her and mom had gone out to a couple of, um, the educational programs in Algonquin Park. Okay. And learned a whole bunch of stuff. So the next day was, you know, dad, daughter day. We're going for a day long canoe trip and, um, Dad was paddling, and Ariana would take a couple of paddles and then turn around and tell me all about loons. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd take a couple of paddles throughout, turn around and tell me all about snakes. And she'd take <laughs> a couple of paddles. Needless to say, it was a long it day. It was a long day. <laughs> she wasn't tired at all. <laughs> I don't understand it. Uh, but you know what? Like she had a blast that day and she, she enjoyed paddling. It gets to the point where the kids are arguing over who gets to be paddling. Yes. Now with the, I've got the solo canoe, tra- uh, solo, um, Osprey. Okay. Right. So I'm in that one. And then the kids are. In their own. One's in the, yeah. And Tracy's sitting in the, in the, in the middle with the dog. Yeah. So the kids are front and back. Arguing over who's gonna paddle where, <laughs> and then uh, you know they're enjoying they're enjoying paddling, but they, they've got to argue over everything. Then there was the one trip where the dog is grabbing the uh, uh, alders at the side of the river. Oh, okay. And the one in the front's getting mad because the one in the back is steering them into the shore. Well, no, it's the it's dog. The dog. <laughs> and I'm I'm just sitting there paddling my own canoe, going, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know what? You, you got to take them when they're early and introduce them to it, but you can't force them if they're if they're not right into it. Uh, because that's just going to drive them away totally. But again, it's as I say, it's you hope that they they really kick into it and really enjoy it. Uh, so from their first trip in the canoe to the moment they're young adults taking their own trips with their friends, what are the kids especially the teens getting out of tripping. That's what I, you know, that's what what I'm thinking is what do they actually learn once they're out on their own when they're with their buddies, you know, that sort of stuff. So they're, you know, between 16 and 20 sort of thing. At that point, they've been, you know, tripping with the family. They've been camping with the family. They've, you know, gone out paddling. They've been in the front. They've been in the back. Developed a good set of base skills. Yeah. And now they're out with their buddies on their own, a group of friends, whatever, you know, three, four canoes, maybe, whatever. Um, what do they learn? I've come up with a few things here that I'd like to throw out there. Nature. They get an appreciation for all the flora fauna around them. They learn to appreciate what is there is It may not always be there. You know, the birds, the bugs, the animals, fish, trees, plants, etc. Exactly. Yes. You know, I mean, that stuff, I mean, even, even when I was a kid going out and seeing stuff that you, you don't see as much of today.
1: The, well, you know, everything is changing and, and not like we're the types here on the show to talk about global warming or any of that stuff. Global what? Yes, that thing. <laughs> so, but, uh, there, there are changes and, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, the certain typical weather patterns that are no longer there anymore. So it's like, it's, it's an opportunity for your kids to start learning to observe these changes and, and what's happening.
0: Yeah. You get out there and see it. Don't just read about it in a book, watch it on TV, get out there and see it.
1: And that's a big difference. Like, you know, it's like. I, I always, (laughs) at work, we always make fun of the engineers. Oh yeah. Well, they're book smart. (laughs) They're not practical (laughs) smart. They're not, they're, they they really, they know how to manipulate the books, not really know the equipment. So, so I want my kids to be more than just book smart. I'd like them to be, you know, aware of their surroundings and, and how they
0: can interpret or interact with their environment. Uh, scenery. They learn to see the big picture, as it were, not just the individual trees, individual rocks, but everything together that makes up a beautiful landscape, sunset, or what makes a waterfall truly amazing. Yes. You know, you you can look at, oh yeah, that's a pretty cool looking rock. But when you stand back and look at all of it, Mm -hmm. take it all in, you know, hopefully they're learning that, yeah, step back, take it in,
1: take a look. And I've thought about this from a few perspectives over the years, and I keep thinking of how I'm going to introduce my kids to stuff like this. And I think, well, maybe photography would be a good idea. But I'm also thinking that then they, they focus too hard on the technical aspect of, of photographing water or photographing a waterfall. I kind of want them just to be able to stare at a waterfall and enjoy it for what it is without looking through the lens. Well, I do the, I do the both. And even my yeah. daughter,
0: she comes up and she brings her easel and paints, yeah, but she paints' you're, she, you're not she's not focusing through the lens of a camera, but I do both i 'll sit there and yeah. i 'll look at the camera I'll look at the waterfall from all different angles and stuff like that, and then I get the camera out mm-hmm. right sometimes i don't even get the camera out yes, but uh, yeah i mean that's that is one aspect work ethic, and this is a big one <laughs> things are not going to get things are not going to get done by themselves uh, there's a cer- certain work ethic involved in paddling, portaging, setting up, tearing down camp, gathering wood, making fires, cooking dinner, cleaning up afterwards, it's not going to do itself. It's, it makes a big difference. Like I've been on a few trips
1: with guys at work and, and, uh, you really see the difference between some of the guys who... They kind of rumble around a campsite and you're like, well, well, I, I guess I can start supper and, uh, set up the tent <laughs> because that guy is just kind of wandering around and throwing rocks in the water. It's yeah. like th- some people just don't get it. They don't get the flow of time and how there's a certain amount of stuff to do. And the more hand, the more busy hands that are at it, then the easier the whole task is and everybody enjoys it then.
0: But yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're the guy that's known to, you know, sit around and wait for everybody else to do it, you're not going to be going on many trips. No, you're not. Right. No. Learning, there's another big one. There's, there's always new skills to be learned. I mean, yes. I'm still learning stuff to this day. You know, new ways to cook, new knots for different things, survival skills, um, differences between tents and hammocks, different jobs, different gear, reading maps, using compass, uh, different ways to start a fire, which we've, <laughs> we've learned. <laughs> yes. Uses for an axe and a, or a hatchet other than just cutting wood. Uh, and the list goes on and on. You never stop learning, right? Mm-hmm. You got to keep learning, you know? And yeah. I mean, new technology comes out. You, you, you learn to use it. Like I never thought about hammocks before sleeping. And then all of a sudden people are whipping well, out I, the Hennessy hammock. A difference that makes.
1: Yeah. Huge difference for me.
0: Yeah. It's all, it's all a learning curve, yes. right? Especially so you, now that I'm so getting so old. <laughs> hammock know. makes a huge difference. <laughs> Personal growth, taking on more responsibilities on the trip, accomplishing the goals uh, they set for themselves on a trip in regards to times and distances, meeting and interacting with new people, trying new things, persevering when things get bad, like seven straight days of rain. <laughs> yeah, uh, that'll teach. teach living, you some living a healthier lifestyle and learning teamwork—you know—that's all personal growth stuff. Yep. That and that's going to help you more in in life, outside of a canoe trip too. Oh, absolutely, all that sort of stuff. Yes. That's going to you know. So if they're learning that you know, while they're out there, then that's that's definitely a benefit. Friendship. Getting to know your paddling partners, laughing together, sitting around a campfire, talking about the problems of the world and, and, and each other, uh, staring up the stars after a long day, eating a meal cooked over a fire, razzing each other if it tastes awful, it didn't turn out like it was supposed to because we do a lot of razzing. Uh, enjoy the moment with the people you are with, Building memories with these people that will last a lifetime. That's a big thing. Yep. You know, if if you can't get, go on a canoe trip, sit around the fire and deal with the day-to-day stuff and all the work and everything else that goes into it. And at the end of the day, sit back with these people and laugh and enjoy the day. Then why are you doing
1: it? Exactly. There, there's a certain amount of things that you expect to get out of life. And a friendship is one key thing that you want your kids to learn that personal growth level, right? Mhm.
0: Yeah, I mean definitely. I mean the people I've met over the years for from canoe tripping. You know, I mean the this the things we share, they all all it gets to the point where all you've got to do is make one comment to somebody and they'll start laughing because they remember the trip, <laughs> yes. they remember what yeah. it was about, you know, that and just, you know, I mean that that's what it's about. And, and you know, if you're having a good time, you're laughing, you're hooting and hollering, and you're enjoying this, the, you know, the company, then those are people you're going to be canoe tripping with again. And those are people that are going to say, hey, you want somebody good to go canoe tripping with? Yeah. Take this give, guy. Give this guy yeah. a call. Because you know what? He, he pulls his weight. He has a good time. And he, he's, he really enjoys canoe tripping. Right? Uh, so, yeah, friendship is a, is a big thing. Um, last but not least, I call it the extras. So that freedom of that feeling of freedom when you're out there on your own without adult supervision. I still appreciate to this day. <laughs> I love when I'm out there without adult or supervision. <laughs> your mom's not looking over your shoulder when you, when you're 48 years of age. That's just grand.
1: But sometimes you just got to do those questionable things.
0: <laughs> um, the natural curiosity to explore. You know, because when you're with your parents growing up, they're, oh yeah, go check that out, go check that out, go check that out. Whereas you're sitting there going, well, I'd rather go check this out. Well, now you can. Yes. You know, because you've seen that, you've seen that. Well, I've never seen this before. Let's, let's find out what happens if I eat that. (laughs) (laughs) And just being outdoors and trying new things. You know, that's all, those are all the extras, the freedom, the, the curiosity to explore and trying new things. Um, like I say, there are certain things when you're growing up that you're you're given to tasks to do, you know, cause you're with the family. Yeah. But when you're out with your buddies and, and what it's a whole new ball game, you know, and that's what I'm hoping, you know, that's what I hope that the teens that grow up doing this, I hope that's what they get out of this and they can carry it on because yeah. those are the ones that are going to continue doing it. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and then when they have kids, they're going to start that cycle pa- all is, over is again. That-
1: yeah. It's that cycle. They, they pass it on. We pass it on to them. They pass it on to their children. And it, it's the way that, you know, society should be built on and built up and, and improved upon. It's that, that constant circle of life thing.
0: Well, when you get to the work ethic, the learning and the personal growth, like those are things that are going to, you know, they're going to help you outside of a canoe trip. They're going to help you in real life. Yes. They're, you know, I mean. As we call real life, your work world, your, your day-to-day stuff. Yeah. That's all that stuff's going to help. You know, it's not just a a canoe trip thing. So, you know, like I say, start the kids small, get them up there, get them out, give them things to do because that's what they want.
1: You need them to be resilient so that when you're old and in diapers, they're strong enough to change your diaper for you.
0: Out in the bush. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know what? When you're 80 years of age and want to go on that canoe trip, <laughs> somebody's got to carry that canoe down the portage because yeah. it sure ain't gonna be you, <laughs> <laughs> ain't gonna be me either. So, so like I say, that's what I'm hoping the teens are getting out of. When I say teens, I'm thinking 16 to you know 20 years of age sort of deal. Yeah, uh, young adults. That's what I'm hoping they're they're getting out of this. What the parents can teach them, and I really hope it continues on. Let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back in a minute. Mm-hmm. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Well, Derek, I think that's our uh, show for the week. Black Canyon Water Trail. I think that's a definite must check that out oh, in a few do years.
1: That. Absolutely got to do that. Take the kids with us. Yes. You know what? I, I was thinking about that. It's the, to do the Grand Canyon, you think, oh, that's dangerous. But right now, this lower section is calm enough, not whitewater. My kids are old enough to do it now.
0: Dan, I think that's, that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, Thank, thank everybody for listening this week until next time you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com, instagram facebook twitter you can find us on past interview uh, episodes on itunes google play and player fm thanks everybody for listening i'm sean roley
1: and i'm derek Spest. we'll see you next time <laughs>